welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. As we begin our Lenten season, we begin a new series called Restore. We will examine how Jesus brought restoration to us through his life. Today, Jesus gives us new hope and restoration in the presence of temptation. My wife, Brooke, has been on maternity leave for the past few weeks, and she is entering her very last week this week. So pray for me. Uh, (laughs) But as, if you know Brooke at all, she is actually not a natural talker. She's an introvert by nature. She is not a person that will talk a lot like me. Uh, We work really well together. And one of the things that they tell you about when you bring a new life into the world is to make sure that your child knows the difference between daytime and nighttime. So during the day, have all the lights on, make lots of noise, make sure they know this is the time when humans are awake, and then at night, try to be as quiet as possible, keep it as dark as possible. But because Brooke is not a natural talker, and she's not just like, oh, Chloe, how you doing? Like me, and it's, you know, it, I've preached to her. I've read theological works at her. Like, it's weird. But Brooke's just like, eh, you know, I'm just here. So what she does is she turns on the television. Now, you, I don't need to talk too much about television, but you and I both know that there is not a whole lot left on television that doesn't have language that you don't want kids to hear. And even though Chloe doesn't understand language, We just want to get in the discipline of not having stuff. So Brooke can either choose Paw Patrol and be totally wiped clean and not ready for the toddler years whenever the toddlers want to watch Paw Patrol, or she had to find something else. And she found HGTV. (laughs) And HGTV is, if you've never watched it, I have to tell you that I have watched more HGTV in the past seven weeks than I did in the 33 years living. (laughs) HGTV is a bunch of different kinds of shows, most of the time, where they would have these contractors or these designers or these real estate folks go in and help folks either sell their house or improve their house or flip the house. They have all these different kinds of terms. If you don't know them all, don't waste your time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) But she watches HGTV. There's no language. They're all like TVG, and they're just sitting there doing this. So in the midst of all this, I'm like, really? You're going to watch HGTV? I'm nervous because I'm thinking she's going to want me to do things around the house. (laughs) And then before you know it, I am watching HGTV without Brooke around. (laughs) Because it's really good TV. I had no idea how good of television is because you know, whenever you start that half an hour program, you see a house that's in shambles. It's terrible. It's ugly colors. It's old paneling. It's all these different kinds of things. The oven was from 1950, all these different things. But by the end, they go in and they do something new and they make the house brand new. Sometimes they knock down walls. Sometimes they take something from the house and they polish it up and it looks wonderful and as good as new. It's amazing what paint does. It's amazing what 
polishing, or sorry, sanding down the original floors and putting a new bit of polish on it. HGTV is really a, a, a channel dedicated to restoration. Restoring a house into something that's either brand new or bringing new glory to that house, right? And let's really be honest about restoration. Sometimes restoration is taking something that exists and making it better. Sometimes restoring is finding what it originally was and bringing it back, right? However you were to define restoration, restoration is truly, though, a process of transformation. A transformation that there is a before and there is an after. And so we are beginning a new series through our Lenten season called Restore. And what we will be doing is we will be looking at accounts of Jesus and how he restored things in this world. Sometimes when you read scripture, you'll find Jesus restoring individuals. And we'll, we'll look at their stories and how Jesus restores our lives. But sometimes Jesus restores things bigger than just individual lives. He restores something that is wrong in the world, something that is old in the world, something that is not living to its potential. And you and I will be amazed at how Jesus can restore our lives. The good news is that Jesus can restore your life to something greater than what you have by yourself. And so today, we are going to begin this series with one of the bigger things that Jesus restores. He's not going to restore an individual today. He is going to restore something in the world that is it's just wrong. We are going to turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. If you have your phone or your Bible, go ahead and grab it and get it out. Or if you don't have a Bible app or a Bible, uh, it will be right here on the, uh, the screen for you. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. Now, before I start reading this passage, I need you to let you know something. Matthew is a very interesting gospel. It starts with the, with the birth of Jesus. It's, it's great. And then it jumps ahead. It jumps ahead years. Like, really, like 25, 30 years. And Jesus shows up one day, and he is baptized by his cousin John. Now, baptism, if, you don't, if, if you're new to the church, baptism is a symbol, it's almost an, an initiation of new faith. You go down to the water, you die to yourself, and you come up a new person. Well, Jesus is baptized by John, but then something amazing happens. God the Father opens up the clouds and says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And it's a very exciting moment. Baptism is a time of celebration, of joy. And guess what's happening? 
right in front of a bunch of people, God the Father has confirmed that Jesus is indeed the Son. It's an exciting moment. And then this happened. Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, says this, Then the Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness so that the devil might tempt him. Yay! After Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was starving. And the tempter came to him and said, Since you are God's Son, command these stones to become Bread. Jesus replied, it's written, people won't live only by bread, but by every word spoken by God. After that, the devil brought him into the holy city and stood him at the highest point of the temple. And he said to him, since you are God's son, throw yourself down. For it is written, I will command my angels concerning you, and they will take you up in their hands so that, they, so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus replied again, it's written, don't test the Lord your God. And then the devil brought him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I'll give you all these if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus responded, go away, Satan. (laughs) Because it is written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil left him. And angels came and took care of him. You know, what's so interesting is that as Jesus has this amazing moment with his father, as he is baptized, he he goes into the gauntlet of life. He goes into a place that does not have the sustenance that he needs for life. And it's in the middle of being hungry and thirsty that he is tempted. Temptation. (laughs) Whether or not you believe in God or not, everybody understands what temptation is, right? It's this luring to do the wrong thing. The luring to, well, I might be... I might feel better if I do this. Or I might be in a better position in life if I take advantage of this. Temptation is is really desire for something and doing what it takes to get it. That is why we read earlier the fall of humanity in Genesis. And you're like, This is the word of the Lord. And you're like, thanks be to God. The woman and man saw that it was good. And even though God said, hey, don't do that. I want it. I'm going for it. I am tempted so much, I'm just going to eat it. Temptations are not what we like. (laughs) We don't like them because so often, if we give in to the temptation, we feel, one, guilty, shame, or we, even worse than those things, is we hurt ourselves, or we hurt others, or we hurt God. And here's Jesus, baptized. You're the Son of God. 
go and be tempted. And if there's anything that you and I can really relate with is that that is what life is. Good moments happen, and guess what? The next moment you are faced with something that you are tempted to do the wrong thing. You can give your life to Christ, begin following Him. Guess what? You're going to be tempted. And guess what? It's going to feel stronger because all of a sudden, you are more sensitive to doing the wrong thing. This is so relatable for us. Friends, hear this out. Jesus walked the same steps that you and I walk. Jesus walks the same steps we walk facing temptation in a life of faith. It's good to know that Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate, knows exactly what you and I face. Amen? And we could end it right there. We could just say, oh, that's cool. Jesus gets me. (laughs) That's good news of itself. But believe it or not, Jesus in this moment is bringing restoration. And in order to understand the restoration that he is bringing, you have to understand his identity as the Jewish Messiah. In your Bible apps, you will notice that there are a lot of books before the book of Matthew. If you open your Bibles, there's a lot of pages before this. Look how much there is. The Old Testament tells of the story of how God saved a people and then said, look, you are going to be my people and I'm going to be your God and this is what you are going to do. You will live in a certain way and you will bless the world. You will show the world what it means to be human. You will show everybody what it means to be in a covenant relationship with the God who created the world and sustains the world. That's what the Old Testament is. And as God does it, Israel fails. Not just once, but a lot. (laughs) They fail like crazy. Guess what? It's very easy to to get the... If you just read the Old Testament, what you'll feel like is, to err is human. That is the truest statement of all time, right? We as humans fail. We as humans don't live up to what we can live by. That's what Israel did. God said, hey, you're going to be this way, and they did the opposite. And if you look at the temptations that Jesus faces in this account, they are the same three temptations that Israel gave into over and over and over and over and over again. See, what Israel did is that when they were presented with a shortage of necessities for life, food and water and everything, instead of relying upon God, they took what they needed from others. 
Instead of living into the law in such a way that they say, okay, God says we should live this way, so I'm going to live this way really well, they figured out loopholes to ignore certain laws. And instead of trusting on God to provide for them in the midst of all the different powers of the ancient world, they gave in to willing to kill, willing to plunder, willing to be, have the biggest stick in the room. And they bowed to idols. Not just statues, but idols like violence, theft, selfishness. Jesse Middendorf says this so well. They, meaning Israel, were to be a light to the nations, and they held the treasure of the law, the perfect expression of the mind of God. They were to be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, and through them the world was to see the holiness of God, the power of God, and the goodness of God, but they miserably failed. So when Jesus is presented with the very same temptations that Israel faced, and when he doesn't give into them, he's doing something new here. He's doing something different than what, what history has shown us. He's doing something different as a human being. Because guess what? Human beings fall into temptations. They do the wrong thing. They sin. They do what they can to survive. Jesus, who is just like you and me, same flesh and bone, same feeling, same pain. When the temptations come his way, he says no. And what Jesus is doing right now, before he even is crucified on the cross, before he is even resurrected, he is beginning the process of restoration for humanity, friends. Jesus, in this moment, is restoring humanity. He's saying, guess what, humans? You don't have to give in to the temptation. You don't have to give in to Satan. You don't have to give in to your failures and your sins and the death. Rather, you can stand strong in the midst of temptation and face them. And I'm going to get you through it. What Jesus is doing in this moment is he is showing what is possible in a human life. And so if you think to yourself, it's just the way humans are. If you have this cynical view that humans cannot change, that people will always be who they always have been. If you have that perspective, you have missed the good news of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, in, in becoming human, shows us that people, that the human life can be different than what it used to be. St. Athanasius says this, Jesus, he sanctified the body by being in it. So, friends, 
if you have faced temptation, or if others around you have faced temptation, do we just say, I'll just give in to it. They're going to give in to it. Or do we believe that what Jesus did in this moment has offered us a new reality? I hope that we see that people can face temptation, go through it, and come out the other side without hurting others, without failing, without feeling terrible. Because Jesus showed that it's possible. How does he do it? Jesus leans into the identity God has always wanted for you and I and for the nation of Israel. He leans into the identity that says, you are God and I am not. You provide. I cannot do anything for what I have. You tell me how to live and I trust that that way to live is good. You show me how to live. And I can live in the way you have called me to live. Jesus stands up against temptation through those ways. He remembers, he remembers who he is. He remembers what God has said in the past. Even though Satan is saying, oh, but Scripture over here is saying this. Uh, Satan, you're using Scripture in a way that serves yourself. You're using Scripture to find the loophole so that you can do the worst. There's a lot of people who do that still today, who say that they're Christian, and they say, hey, the Bible says this! What did Jesus do? Because if Jesus didn't do it, then you shouldn't be doing it. Just because Israel did it in the past doesn't mean that gives us the reason to say that we can do it today. And the last thing that Jesus does in this moment is that he relies upon God's presence. The Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. You know what that means? Jesus is not alone. Friends, you are not alone. God is continuously upon you, and He is there to help you in the midst of temptation. He does not remove temptation. If you think, whoo, and I follow Jesus, I'm never going to be tempted to do anything wrong for the rest of my life. <clears throat> no, you will be. And actually, you will be more sensitive to temptation because you come to the realization that Jesus wants a better life for you. Friends, Jesus shows what's possible in our lives. And it's this. We do not have to give in to temptation. We can lean upon God's presence, His word, and His way when we face it. And He will get you through it. Don't lose the hope that God is, 
is not present, that he's not going to provide you the way of not giving the temptation. Because he's there. He's just waiting for you to trust him. He's waiting for you to get your eyes off of what you want. He's waiting for you to get your eyes off of the idols in your life. We have to trust him and lean upon him. Friends, I don't know what you are tempted by the most. It's interesting. There's, I've, I've read a number of different like studies and certain personalities are tempted by this and other personalities are tempted by this. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a one, which means that I'm tempted the most by anger. I think I'm tempted by other things just as much, though, if we really want to be honest. Whatever you were tempted by, whether it be the pleasures of of going outside the relationships that you already have, whether it be to look at people in black and white ways and saying, no, they're not good enough for me. They're not good enough to live in this world. And you demonize them and you say, they deserve what they have. They deserve what they get. Maybe you are tempted Maybe you were tempted because what you, what you see that you have doesn't look like it's enough and you're tempted to go and take what you need or what you think you need. Maybe you're tempted by power. Power in the world so that we can get our way. Whatever it is that you are tempted by, friends, whether they be personal sin or systemic sin or corporate sin, God can change your life. And the only way is to open up your life to his word, open up your life to his son, open up your life to his spirit that has been upon you since you were born, and you say, yes, God, I am going to follow you in the midst of temptation. For you have provided restoration for me. You have provided restoration for the world. You know, it's, it's really funny. Have you ever come across a project in your house where you think, you know, just trash it, get rid of it? That, that's funny. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but there was a, a small little chuckle in the front row here. I don't know, he must know what that feels like. <laughs> For example, some of us have doors in our house or in a building that is old. Old as the house. And it gets stuck gets stuck a lot. When it gets humid, it swells. And... Or maybe the joints are really rusted out, maybe, whatever it is. And you know what you can do? 
you can go to Menards, purchase a new door, and put it on there, and it's, it's going to work great. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work great. Or you can spend $3, get a little can of WD-40, and put it on the joints and see what happens. Because a lot of the time, the reason why a door is unmovable, the reason why a door is not useful, the reason why the door squeaks and does all these annoying things isn't that you need a new door. You just need to restore it with a little bit of oil. Friends, when humans gave into temptation at the very beginning of time, and when we gave into temptation throughout continuous history, thank God he didn't say, I'm going to throw them out. I'm going to go to Menards and start new. I'm going to save big money, too. Sorry. Some of you just got that. 11% rebate. Thank God he didn't just say to us, you know what, scrap them. Let's start a new creation. No, 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 no. He doesn't give up on us that easy. In fact, he loves us so much that he sends his son to show us the way forward. And it's through humbly opening ourselves to his presence and relying upon him for everything in life even when we face temptation, friends. So what Jesus does is a challenge to each of us. Are we leaning on God who is with us, who provides for us, who moves us through the temptations that we face every day? Do we believe that he has restored us into a new creature? Or do we think we're the same person we were before we started following him? Because I'm here to tell you, if you believe that you are still the same person after following Jesus, I'm here to tell you that he is going to do something new in you and I can see it. Trust him. That doesn't mean struggle is removed. That doesn't mean that things will be easy but it does mean that we can trust that God will provide. Won't you trust him today? Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning for our service, which begins at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street, Northwest, in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, please visit us at championnaz.org.